Praise the Lord. Amen. Count your blessings. That took me back several years hearing that song today. Uh, get your Bibles. We're going to go to the Lord uh, in Bible study, and you can be seated. We're going to look at several scriptures today, and we're continuing. I'm going I'm to do my very best to finish our discussion uh, that I'm calling the importance of the church and, uh, and why the church is so important. Uh, to us as individuals, and why it's so important to the world as well. Um, the church is the institution that God has placed in the world to make a difference in the world, and we are a part of that, and that is a great privilege. How many feel privileged to be a part of the church? Uh, it's not, to me, it's not a burden. To me, it's not uh, something that, uh, that I feel frustrated about. Being a part of the church is something that I'm privileged to do, and I'm thankful to be a part of the church of the living God. And so I want to take you to the first slide, and we're going to go to Romans 8 and 16, Romans 8, 16. I'm going to do my very best not to, uh, to jump over into rabbit trails, and uh, I'm going to just try to stick with my notes and, and go quickly so we can be done. Romans 8, 16 says this, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. That we, everyone said the church, the church are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And so here we see Paul is, is telling us that only children of God will receive God's eternal inheritance. And so because we are born, birthed into the church, because we become a part of the body of Christ, because of that, we now can partake of the inheritance that God has for us. How many are thankful that we have eternal inheritance with God? Our inheritance is not earthly. And uh, many Christians are looking for an earthly inheritance from God. And I do believe that God blesses, I believe that God touches, and all of those things. But the reality is this, if I never receive any kind of earthly reward, it will still be worth it all because God has an inheritance for me in heaven. And that is my goal. My goal isn't wealth in this world. If my goal was wealth, I would have been a lawyer, not a preacher. That would have been my, uh, that would have been my focus in life. Wealth is not my focus. Uh, nice things are nice to have, but they shouldn't be a Christian's focus. Our focus is an eternal inheritance, an eternal reward with the Lord in heaven. And we can only find that, we only have that as members of the church, as part of the church. And as apostolics, we're not like other denominations or other churches. Uh, we don't have uh, membership roles where you can just decide one day, well, you know, I think I'd like to be a member of that church, officially a member. Now, in, everyone's welcome. Anyone can come, attend, and we want you here all the time. But you have to be birthed into membership in the church of the Lord. You have to be born again of water and of spirit. Born again of water and spirit. I, I was listening to a sermon uh, just yesterday by one of my favorite preachers, uh, he's preached here, Brother Wayne Huntley from Raleigh, North Carolina. And he was telling a story at Because of the Times about 
someone who made a comment from the pulpit in his church that upset him. They said uh, they were in revival and it was a packed house. And they said, now, if you're not saved and, and you get saved before this service is over, uh, make sure that you tell somebody that you got saved so that we can know, so that we can know that you were saved. And it really bothered Brother Huntley, and so he waited till Wednesday night, and on Wednesday night, he, he got up and he reminded the church, he said, listen, there was a statement made behind this pulpit that uh, if someone gets saved, they need to let someone know, go find someone and tell them they got saved in the service, and he said, uh, we, don't, we don't do that around here, and here's why. If somebody gets saved, they're going to be speaking in other tongues, and their head's going to be wet. Because they were born again of water and spirit. So if you're saved, you're going to speak in other tongues and you're going to get wet. And everybody's going to know. You're not going to have to run around finding somebody saying, hey, I got saved. Everyone's going to see that you got saved because that is the new birth experience. Born again of water and spirit. You know, if a, if a woman has a child, if she gives birth... Uh, that's not the kind of thing that just happens and nobody knows it happens. Amen? It's not something, she doesn't have to go around saying, you know what, I just, uh, I just gave birth. No, people are going to know because there's a whole process that takes place that people know about. It's the same in the kingdom of God. When you're born again of water and spirit, people are going to know that you're born again of water and spirit. Not only are you going to speak in tongues, not only are you going to go down in a watery grave in the name of Jesus, you're, you're going to emerge from the water and you're going to emerge from that from that uh, resurrection of spirit and you're not going to walk like you used to walk you're not going to talk like you used to talk have you ever seen somebody who just got the holy ghost and there was almost a glow about them uh, you know i i remember one of my best friends at, at uh senior camp got the holy ghost he'd been seeking the holy ghost for eight years it took him eight years and we prayed and prayed and prayed. And when he got it, he got it. I mean, he was drunk in the spirit. He couldn't even get up off the floor. He was just speaking in tongues. We had to carry him back to the dorms. You know, listen, you've been, you've been seeking the Holy Ghost for eight years. When you finally get the Holy Ghost, you're going to take full advantage of the Holy Ghost. And he spoke in tongues. We had to carry him to the dorms. They turned the lights out, and he was laying on his bunk speaking in other tongues. You're going to know it when God saves you. Something's going to happen that you can see, that you can experience because it is a new birth. And only children who are birthed, born into the church can be a part of the church and can be heirs of the inheritance of God. First Peter 1 and 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance, everyone said an inheritance, an inheritance incorruptible. Why? Because it's not an earthly inheritance and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved where reserved in heaven for you. Look at your neighbor and say, I've got a reservation. If you've been birthed into the church, you have a reservation waiting for you. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I am ready to make my reservation. I am ready to make heaven my home. And that comes because I was birthed into the church. If you have a reservation waiting for you, it's because you were birthed into the church. 
And let me take you to the next slide. It's, and the slide is titled, The Church is the Body of Christ. We all know this. But let me say something that's not on the slide uh, that, that might be strange sounding to American ears. In fact, I think it will be strange sounding to some of you. The church and your salvation and your walk with God is not designed to be just for you. It's not designed to be just a personal relationship with God. Do you ever hear, you know, different denominations? I don't want to pick on any denomination, uh, but you'll hear phrases like this pretty often. Your personal salvation. You ever hear that before? Uh, your, your personal relationship with Jesus. Now, you should have a personal relationship with God. Everybody understand that? Now, I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm saying. You should have a personal prayer life. Amen? You should have a personal Bible study time. Amen? You should have personal fasting that you do beyond just what pastor calls. Pastor's about to call a fast. Just giving you a little advance warning. Get your spirit right. But you should be fasting beyond just what the times that pastor calls a church-wide fast. So, in a sense, we should have a personal relationship with God. However, when you study Scripture and you study the New Testament, the church and our relationship with God is designed not to be independent, but to be interdependent. Everybody okay? In other words, we are designed to be a part of the body. We're not designed to be a hand by ourselves over here or a foot by ourselves over here. We are designed to be together, to work together, to pray together, to worship together, to praise together, to unite our faith. That's why when you read scriptures like where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. This is God giving us the principle of our dependence on one another, that you should be gathering together. That's why we have scriptures like uh, forsake not the assembling together of yourselves and so much the more when the day of the Lord approaches. Why? Because God is showing us that our relationship with him is interdependent with our relationship with our brothers and sisters. So we need to come together in worship, come together in prayer, unite our faith, unite our praise. How many understand that there's something dynamic that happens when you get Two or three or 10 or 15 or 300 apostolics speaking the name of Jesus with faith together at the same time. How many have ever felt the atmosphere change physically when people began to lift up the name of Jesus together? There is something in the spirit realm that changes when we unite our faith together and things begin to happen and things begin to move. Even Jesus said this in the Lord's Prayer. He did not say to pray thusly, give me this day my daily bread. Jesus didn't instruct us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and let me be a part of that kingdom. No, Jesus said, pray thusly, give us this day. Our daily bread. 
So even in the Lord's prayer that Jesus gave us as the example of how we ought to pray, we take the I out of the prayer. And so as Christians, we really should have a certain element in us that prays as a corporate body. So there are times when I pray. Now, of course, I have my personal prayers that are unique to me in my life. But when I pray, for the most part, I'm often praying, Lord, touch our church. Lord, touch this people. Lord, bless your people. Lord, bless us. God, give provision to us as a church because God designed us to worship together, to grow together, to have faith together. It comes through our unity. Everyone said unity. It comes through our unity. And so we bind together and we're the body of Christ. Ephesians 1.22, and have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head. Everyone said the head. That's Jesus over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so when you come together, when we come together as the body of Christ, Christ is the head, and then he fills the body. He fills the body. And we become literally the representation or ambassadors of Christ in the world today. I believe that an apostolic church should literally be as many people as we can possibly see saved together, working together to fulfill the will of God. Just as if Jesus was here physically walking in our midst, we ought to be fulfilling his will in that exact same way. So if, if, if it's time to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, we, we don't want to be Peter, we don't want to be James, we don't want to be John falling asleep over there. That means we're not in the will of God. We're not a part of the body. No, in the New Testament age, if it's time to weep in the Garden of Gethsemane like Jesus would do, then we all need to weep together in the Garden of Gethsemane. If it's time to pick up a cross, then we all pick up a cross. If it's time to sacrifice, we all sacrifice. If it's time to worship, we all worship. If it's time to shout, we all shout. If it's time to work, we all work. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. And if we're not united in purpose, and if you see the majority of the body uh, fulfilling the plan of God, and you are not participating in what the body is doing, then you have to ask yourself, am I really a part of the body? Or am I just near the body? You know, there's a lot of people, you know, when, when the scripture says, there's going to be people that stand before the Lord and he says, uh, depart from me. I knew you not. I don't know you. And then they're going to say things like, well, I did this and I did that. And, you know, I even did things in your name. There's going to be a lot of people who stand before the Lord on judgment day who were in pews on Sundays. But they were not a part of the body. They were near the body. They weren't a part of the body. And they're going to stand before the Lord and the Lord's going to say, I know you were near the body, but you're not the body. And so when you're watching, this is why I worry. This is, you know, people will sometimes criticize uh, me because uh, I, I really promote worship. I, 
I, I push people to worship, and I, I believe in enthusiastic worship. I'm the first to admit that you have to do more than shout. Everybody know that's true? You have to do more than shout. I believe that. I'm not naive. I also understand that running the aisles alone will not get you to heaven. Everybody know that? I believe that. I, I know dancing alone is not going to get you to heaven. I understand that. There's a whole lot more to the Christian walk with God than getting goosebumps on Sunday. But I will tell you this. Your praise is an indicator of where you are. And so when I see people who cannot participate in praise and worship and they claim to be a part of the body, that tells me they are merely watching the body. They're not a part of the body. It tells me that they are people who are, they, they like to be near the body, but they're not in the body. And those are the, those are the churches you have to watch for. So you, you can say, well, Brother Ryan, we got to do more than shout. That's absolutely true. But if you're not shouting, you're not doing the more. If you're not shouting, if you're not worshiping, if you can't respond in the presence of God, then that tells me there's a whole lot of other things wrong the rest of the week in your spirit. Now, does that mean someone can fake their shout and fake their dance? Yes, they can. But I'd rather somebody fake it until they make it, and then we can work on the rest the rest of the time. But the body is going to be excited about the presence of the head. The body is going to be moved by the head and the head tells us to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. The head, which is Christ, tells us that we should be a people who are worshipers, a people who are committed to lifting up the name that is above every name. Someone speak that name. You don't have to shout it. Just speak it. The name of Jesus. Colossians 1.18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Everyone said in all things. In all things he has the preeminence. That means in all things he is first. In all things he is the most important. So if you're at work, Jesus is still the most important thing. If you're at the supermarket, Jesus is still the most important thing. If you're at home, Jesus is still the most important thing. When you're choosing your entertainment choices, Jesus is still the most important thing. When you're deciding how you're going to dress on vacation, Jesus is still the most important thing. When you're deciding what you're going to do when nobody else is watching, remember, Jesus is still the most important thing because he sees what you do in the dark. So when you're a part of the body, you have this mentality. Christ is the head of my life, and he is the most important thing in everything that I do. Everywhere that I go, every decision that I make, Jesus is the most important thing. That's why I don't wear things that some people wear, because Jesus is the most important thing. That's why I don't deck my body with jewels and things that would be bring attention to myself and, and would be against what Peter told us, because Jesus is the most important thing. I am careful because Jesus has the preeminence in my life. Next slide. So why do we need to be members of Christ's body? You might think, well, maybe I could slip in and just be a spectator and not a participator. Colossians 1.18. Christ is the head of the body, the church. Everyone said the church. So to be a part of the church, you have to be a member of the body. Ephesians 4 and 4. There is one body. Everyone said one. So someone might say, well, and you hear this a lot in culture today, well, um, you know, Buddhism is just one way to God. I, I heard uh, 
I may have heard it wrong, but I heard something about the Pope saying that, uh, you know, the Muslim faith is just another avenue uh, to, to God. Um, and, so, and then within Christianity, you have all these different, all these different versions of Christianity. And uh, what that means is there's an original, but the original was contaminated somewhere in different forms. And so instead of people coming to grips with the fact that maybe, just maybe, we actually need to go back to the Bible and do what the Bible says, instead, mankind has had to try to justify themselves and say, well, really, it doesn't matter what you believe. There's no absolute truth. Even in Christianity, it's just we're just all kind of making our own path. But the Bible says there is one body and one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope, one, 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 one. And by the way, there's only one God. And Jesus is his name. In one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Well, it doesn't matter how you're baptized. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. How many think you need the Holy Ghost? See, why do those apostolics emphasize the Holy Ghost? Because if you want to be a part of the one body, you're going to need the one God in you. And so we are a part of one body. We are part of the faith. And uh, does that mean that, that you have to be a part of a particular denomination? No, I, I'm a part of a denomination, and I'm, I'm proud to be, and I'm thankful for it. But what it really comes down to is what you believe. Have you been obedient to the word of God? Organi organizations are, can be good, and they can be bad. They can be wonderful. They can be not so wonderful. Uh, the good thing about organization is that we can organize our resources and we can send missionaries all around the world that's the that's the the uh that's the mantra of the united pentecostal church international is is uh the whole gospel to the whole world and uh and and the lord has blessed the united pentecostal church to send missionaries literally all around the world i'm very very thankful for that what a blessing it is it, it's also a way for us to share uh, share uh, fellowship together and, and know immediately that someone is like-minded, hopefully, and to be able to uh, have a unity of faith and doctrine. But someone doesn't have to be UPC to, to understand and believe the word of God and be my brother. But I will tell you this, there is one church and it is based on who is being obedient to the word of God. Who is apostolic and what that actually means. All right, next slide. Christ is the savior of the body. Ephesians 5.25. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That means he died for it. Can we say that together? Christ also loved you. Is that what it says? No, it, it doesn't say you. Now, he does love you. But here's what the scripture says. Christ also loved me. No, he does love me. 
But that's not what the scripture says. Christ also loved, can you say it? The church. Well, I don't think we need church. I don't think we need all that getting together. And I don't think we need all that. I think I could just kind of stay home and do my thing. And, you know, I don't know if really pastors might be outdated. And, you know, maybe we don't need all that church business. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. All through scripture, when you, you study, you see this, this theme that as Christians, we are a part of something that is bigger than us, than me as an individual. And so until you recognize, and this is where we have a hard time, you know, uh, the church in other countries, especially persecuted countries, they, they understand this. It's in America where we have this kind of, you know, independence uh, this kind of liberty mindset, kind of every man, every woman for herself mindset, where we kind of struggle with this because we, we think of our faith, we think of Christianity in terms of what's in it for me. That's kind of the American mindset, isn't it? What can I get out of it? And, and how does it make me better? And how can, how can I be everything that I want to be? And what can God do for me to help my personal calling? How many times have I heard that? My personal calling. Did you know that God is not going to call you away from the body? God is going to call you in a way to where you bless the body. And so there's no such thing as a private calling separate from the church that God has put you in. Your calling is connected to your leadership, your authority. Your calling is connected to your brothers and your sisters. Why? Because we are all a part of the same body. And whatever one member is doing, we are all a part of that. We're all affected by that. Because why? We are members of the body of Christ. And Christ gave himself for the church. If you've been around me for any amount of time, go ahead and go to the next slide and give them hope. If you've heard me preach uh, any number of times, you've heard me say my, my favorite scripture in the Bible. And the reason it is, is when I was a, a child in the ho- spending the first six years of my life in and out of hospitals, four open heart surgeries, many, many, many procedures, more than I could even count. All of those hospital trips, we'd memorize scripture. And the scripture that would, that would come to my mind and that my parents would quote is, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Or if you want to go back, he said, thou art Peter, and up on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so you've probably heard me say, That the scripture does not teach. And Jesus never said to Peter. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you, Peter. But the Collins, you don't have a promise that says the gates of hell shall not prevail against Brother Collins by himself. I don't have a scripture that teaches me that. But I do have scripture that tells me the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So what does that mean for me? If I want to prevail against hell, I've got to be a part of the church. I've got to be in the church. I have to be a member of the body because hell can prevail against me. But when I join my faith with you, together we can stand against anything that hell throws against us. Together 
we can come against anything that any demon in hell would try to bring against us when we are a part of the church. Don't tell me the church isn't important. I want to prevail against the gates of hell. And so to do that, I'm going to be a part of the church of the living God. So the church is the body of all people who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. We kind of covered this a minute ago. The church is not just a denomination. It's not a single denomination, but it is the body of all people who have been saved by the blood of Jesus and have been obedient and walk in obedience to the word of God. Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So saved people were added to the church. It was never about numbers, even though a number is, is, is mentioned later on. It was never about just getting more bodies into a building. If church was just about getting more bodies into a building, we would just have Super Bowls all the time. Yeah, we just have, we just have movie theater nights. That you can pack a building doing just about anything. You can get chickens fighting and fill a building up. The church has never been about just filling up buildings. The church is about seeing people saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, repenting of their sins, walking in holiness and sanctification. That is what the church is all about. And the only way you can be added to the church is to be saved. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in what? One body. Ephesians 2.16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. Next slide. Members of the church are citizens in Christ's kingdom. Everyone said Christ's kingdom. Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. Here we are. And upon this rock I will build my church. Everyone said my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Colossians 1.13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. How many could testify that you were delivered from the power of darkness? How many know that your life was full of darkness? You had darkness in your soul. Some of you, when God filled you with the Holy Ghost... There was all kinds of darkness that had to be taken out of your life before the light of the gospel could fill you. There was all kinds of dark spirits and dark things that God had to deal with. But aren't you thankful that he loved you enough to wash you clean with his blood, to fill you with his spirit? Delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Hebrews 12, 28, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably. Did you know there's an acceptable way to serve God? Did you know if there's an acceptable way to serve God? That means there is an unacceptable way to serve God. With reverence and with godly fear. And so... I had this discussion with my children the other day because it can be confusing. Not everyone who serves God serves God acceptably. Now, they can be sincere or they might be insincere. Some people claim to serve God and they no more plan to serve God than they plan to give you a million dollars. 
And some people are sincerely trying to serve God, but they're not serving God acceptably. They're sincere, but they're not correct. And so it is the church's job to pay attention to serving the Lord acceptably. How many, we mentioned it in an earlier lesson, but how many remember Cain and Abel? What was the problem? One of them served the Lord acceptably, and one of the, them served the Lord unacceptably. All that Cain had to do was just adjust the way that he served the Lord, and he would have been fine. But here's what happens. When people decide that they don't want to adjust their lifestyle, they start trying to kill people who are doing righteous things. Now, they may not physically murder you, but they will try to destroy you. You know, people will sometimes uh, talk about churches being judgmental. The most judgmental people I've ever known are people who hate righteousness. The most mean-spirited, ugly, judgmental, hateful people I've ever known are Cain's. They have the spirit of Cain. They hate righteousness because your righteousness convicts them and reminds them that they need to adjust the way they serve the Lord. I'm not talking about atheists. I'm talking about people who call themselves Christians. People who they refuse to serve the Lord acceptably. And they hate the fact that you're trying to serve the Lord acceptably. And it makes them angry. And I'm closing. Go ahead and come to the organ, brother. We're about to go into prayer. We're doing, we're about to change the way we transition from services. So we're going to be praying between this class, this uh, Sunday school class, and going into our main worship service. And so we're about to do that. But I want to take you to the next slide. I'm going to close with Matthew 3 and 2. John the Baptist said, repent ye. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Acts 8, 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts 19, 8. And he, Paul, went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Next slide. People who say we should preach Christ and not the church need to consider these passages. Acts 20 and 25. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Did you know that Jesus preached the kingdom of God? His disciples preached the kingdom of God. God wants us to be a part of something that is bigger than just us. Stand with me. To be a part of the church is a great privilege because it is bigger than I am. If I, if I leave tomorrow, if I lose my mind tomorrow and I become a prodigal, the church will go on because the church is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. The sacrifices that I make are, aren't hard for me to make because I make them for something that is bigger than myself. When I give, I'm giving to something that's bigger than me. I'm giving to the kingdom of God. When I step into the house of God, this building, is, it's not just my building. I, it's, it, I'm a part of it. And, and when I shake your hand, I'm, I'm not just shaking a brother and a sister's hand. I, I'm literally shaking someone's hand who is a part of me. 
who is a part of who I am in God. And we are connected together and your children and my children and your life and my life and your faith and my faith. We, we bring it together because we are part of the body of Christ. And there's something powerful that happens when we recognize that this thing is the church. And the church will go to eternity. How many are thankful that God will always have a church? Could we just lift up our hands? We're going into prayer, and I want us to just thank God for the church. Can we?